The Power of the Word is brought to you each week by the support of our partners and friends. Last week on Power of the Word. We, we have to have this unity of relationship with the body. I'm not talking about with the world. I'm not talking about every human on the planet because you couldn't have that anyway. But he's talking about specifically those people who are in covenant. There's a oneness of relationship that allows the visitation from above into our workings and into our doings. Nothing on earth is more valuable than the wisdom of God. James 1.5 tells us that if we ask for wisdom, God will give it to us. No matter what situation we find ourselves in, God has the insight to bring us through successfully. In this series, Dr. Ed King shares scripture focusing on the strategic ways God shares wisdom. Knowledge is wonderful and we should pursue knowledge and education is great and we need education. There's no question about that. But education alone is not enough. We need the wisdom on how to apply the knowledge, the knowledge that we have, the education that we have. We need wisdom to be able to put it into use. To get your copy of Wisdom for the Times as a digital download for $7 or on CD for $15, call us at 800-956-4433 or visit us at poweroftheword.com. God will give us wisdom to navigate all of life's circumstances. If God tells you something, He meant it. He's not joking. Amen. Now we find here in Matthew uh, 26, and let's go down to verse 47. And while He yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves. Now we know what's getting ready to happen here. We've read this many times before. Now Jesus has gone through that covenant meal with his, with his followers, with his disciples, who would soon become apostles. And he's gone through that, and he's revealed what he'll do. And then he's gone from that, and you remember he went from there to the garden, and on and on and on, and then ultimately to the whipping post, and ultimately to the you know, high priest's house, and the false, uh, the false trial, and and all that took place, then Calvary, all right? And so he's, he's beginning to walk through that process. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. See, he had been visiting those chief priests, and that's where he made the covenant with the 30 pieces of silver. So this is his other covenant group Depends, it, your, your future depends on who you associate with. You run with the wrong crowd, you're going to end up in the wrong place. You won't like where it'll take you. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, the same is he, hold him fast. So his betrayal came in the form of a kiss. You talk about phony. You talk about diabolically evil. I mean, you, you just want to beat the daylights out of him. 
Well, I hadn't ever been betrayed at this level, but I'm going to tell you what. I've seen people smiling while they stab you in the back. I know how that feels. I've been betrayed by experts. Uh-huh. I know how that feels. Now, I'm not trying to compare to this. This is the ultimate betrayal. And Jesus said about this betrayal right here, it would have been better had he never been born. I wouldn't want that said to me. <laughs> I would not want that said to me. But he goes on here. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, capital. Now I want you to think about what Judas is doing here. He is betraying Jesus. He's already covenanted for 30 pieces of silver. He's betraying Jesus with a kiss. He's brought the group over here to seize him. This, I mean, this is what he's done. He kisses him, and Jesus still calls him friend. Jesus, I'm telling you, gave Judas an opportunity to repent at the last minute. Judas could have stopped this here. Jesus did not break covenant with him while he's absolutely being betrayed at the highest level. It astounds me. But I'm going to tell you something about God. He is faithful. Amen. Now, you can't say that about everybody, but I can tell you this, God is faithful. And that, that to me illustrates it at such a level that you just can't even imagine. The faithfulness of God and the unwillingness. You know, y'all just turn around and poke him right in the nose. What? You outfit you. See, Jesus knew he was going to betray him. He told him in the room. He knew what he was going to do. And yet he still held out hope for this man. Jesus never turned his back on him, even though Judas did what he did. Amen. Are you here? <laughs> and Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? And they came, and then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. So you see this whole thing about friendship and what it means. See, it has to do with covenant at a very, very high level. Now, we go to John 13. Are you, are you home? Yes. Now, we, we've been here, but I want to go back here. I'm taking you somewhere. We find John 13 and uh, verse 34. He said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I've loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one toward another. So he tells us that new commandment that he gives us is to walk in love. Now, we, we, we find over here, it's interesting to me, in Proverbs, um, well, I, I'm, I, I wrote it down here, I won't turn to it. Proverbs 18, verse number 24. Now we see, talking about Jesus, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And we find that in Proverbs 18 and verse number 4, or uh, verse um, 24 rather. 
And King James says, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So that, again, would be Jesus. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. But you see that other, you know, a lot, a lot of times we have in our <clears throat> motivational teachings and things like this where we talk about relationships and all that. And, and I don't think it's necessarily wrong in concept, but if you want friends, you got to be friendly. You know, you, you, you be a friend and then you'll have friends. And we know in the law of seed time and harvest, that's true. So I don't just, you know, pick it apart. But if you're really going to look at that verse, the way it's actually stating it, you got to look at it a little differently than that. Everybody say differently. Now, let me read this to you out of the amplified, not the amplified classic, but the regular amplified. Now, listen to it out of that. He said, a man of too many friends chosen indiscriminately will be broken in pieces and come to ruin. Well, ask Judas if he picked the wrong crowd. Now listen to it again. The man of too many friends chosen indiscriminately will be broken in pieces and come to ruin. But there is a true loving friend who is reliable and sticks closer than a brother. Wow. Now listen to it from the Message Bible. He said, friends come and friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. Hmm, that's different. Now listen now to the New American Standard. He said, a person of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So the concept here is not, you know, just, you know, sowing friendship so you can get friends. It's not that. I actually heard some commentary on that passage, and it said it this way. A friend of many is a friend of none. Because we're too casual with words. Now, what do I mean too casual with words? Oh, I love my new suit. Oh, I love pizza. Oh, I love my new car. Oh, good. Really? I love God. Same level? See, we have words we use, but they become common because of the way we use them. Friend is one of those words. Oh, they're my friend. They're my social media friend. While they stab you in the back and take you from your faith and run down your life. But they're my social media friends because I've got a selfie with them. You, I wanted to call you an idiot, but I'm too kind. I won't do it. See, we're way too casual with sacred words. See, there are friends for one thing, and then there are friends for another. And I heard, and in a variety of forms, I've heard this from many people. If you have, at the end of your life, true friends that you can count on one hand, you're the most blessed person. Friendship is far too sacred to be put in that casual corner. Far too holy. See, and that's what he said. See, if you don't discern the body right for this cause, if you don't understand the sacredness of relationship for this cause, many are weak, sick, die prematurely. See, if you don't understand friend, because when you made a friend of God, remember your communion through the blood is with him. Your communion through the broken body is with the body. 
When you don't treat covenant right, we walk on one another, we walk on feelings, we gossip, we whisper, we do all this stuff, and then we wonder why we got something going on. Hmm. Could it be? See, because you didn't only enter into capital friendship with God. You entered into a capital friendship with one another. Well, I don't believe that. That's your problem. It's high time you started believing it. It's the most sacred thing that you have anything to do with on this planet. The only relationship that's any higher than this one you share with one another is the one you share with God. And he said, if you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. Well, it doesn't matter how I treat each other. Just as long as I'm right with God. You can't be wrong with your brother and right with him. Doesn't work that way. You've taken your capital friends and trample the sacredness underfoot and think there's no consequence. I love my new suit. I love my car. I love God. Oh, really? I'm a friend of everybody. I love everybody. I'm a friend of everybody. Judas was too. <laughs> what it cost him? You want to be a friend of God? You better determine who your other friends are too. And you better treat them right. First John, are you doing okay? We'll heal you up here in a minute. <laughs> First John chapter, there's so many. This whole book of First John is really a book about love. That's what it is. You know, the interesting thing about this book is um, the purpose of the book of 1 John. John himself said what the purpose of the book was. In chapter 5, verse number 13, he said, These things have I written unto you. Believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, I, I, I've, I've never been this person, but being in the pastorate for many years, I've heard it, that a lot of times people struggle over their salvation. They wonder if they're saved. Now, one of the things that I've found about the devil, if you're really saved, he'll tell you you're not. And if you're not saved, he'll tell you you are. Because he's a liar and the father of it. You know, if you're not saved, he'll tell you you're okay. If you are saved, he'll tell you you're no good. So that's his deal. That's what he does. He's good at his work. That's how he works. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. When you partner with Power of the Word, you are sharing that same love and making a real difference in the lives of hopeless and hurting people. Through our television ministry, we have the potential to reach millions of households across the world with the powerful messages of Jesus Christ. Your giving, your partnership, brings that anointing into your life. That's what Paul said. He said, grace on me gets on you. 
Help us continue to spread the gift of Jesus with your gift today. To give, go to poweroftheword.com. Call us at 800-956-4433 or text the word GIVE to 865-978-6380. Partner with Power of the Word and help us change lives. But so John, the apostle of love, wrote us a book to assure us of our salvation. He said, these things I write to you that you may know, be assured that you've passed from death unto life, that you're really born again. This is why this book is written. And you'll find here, and I did this years ago, but every time the word love is written in this book, I circled it because it is a book of love. That's what it is. It is about love, love. Love, 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 love. Everybody say love. love. Now you look in, in chapter 3 and verse number 14. He said, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. And so Jesus is saying, look guys, if you don't have it right with the body, you don't have it right with me. You can't be right with God and wrong with your brothers. It's not possible. Well, I'm going to go to my prayer closet and get along with God while I, you know, just kick everybody in the teeth on the way. Oh, really? See, he's saying it's not possible. And we can't say we're right with God when we're wrong with one another. And that's what he's talking about in that communion, receiving communion. He said, if you don't discern the body... He said, you're, you're, you're eating, drinking unworthily. He said, you're not doing this right. You're not doing it right. And to be a friend of God, you've got to be a friend with his family. Well, I don't want to be. They're ugly. Yeah, I know, like you. If you want to see ugly, go look in the mirror. All of us. Because we all got improvements we need to make. Amen. Praise God. And, and you look over here in chapter 4, and I could read all these, all these in-betweens, and there's lots of them. But you look in verse 20 of chapter 4. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. Hmm. I couldn't make that any clearer, could I? Hmm. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen. For this cause, for this cause, for this cause, many are weak, sick, die early. Why? Don't walk in love toward your brothers and sisters. You think it's important? I'd say. Yeah, I'd say. And this commandment have we from him this commandment, not with an S. Commandment, not commandments. And this commandment, one, we have from him that he who loveth God loves his brother also. I'm going to tell you guys, and I believe this as, as much as I've ever believed anything in my entire life. God is looking for a people 
where he can pour out his spirit. And before he can do what he wants to do, this issue has to be resolved. Now, I'm not saying you don't do it. I'm saying none of us really do it. We do it, and then we don't. We do it, and then we don't. And then we do it, and we fail. Thank God He gives us a provision. If we fail, we can confess our sin, and He's faithful and just to forgive us. So we all fail it. But we don't have to stay in failure mode. We can fix it. But we have to at least be trying for this. And God wants a people that He can pour out His Spirit and manifest His life among. I have no desire at all. First off, I've already scratched the preacher's itch as much as I need to scratch it. If I never preached another sermon, as far as just my ego is concerned, I'm okay. You get it? I'm only here for two reasons. One is because God told me to be, and the other is because you need me. Amen. But that's just it. I mean, there's no other reason. I don't do it for any other reason. And uh, I'm old enough. I don't care. I don't care. Why? I don't. I already seen it, done it, been there. I've been around the world more times than I can count. What are you going to show me new? I just want a group of people that love God and love each other and have no agendas and no motives other than that. And that's all I'm looking for. That's all I care about. And I don't care about anything else. Nothing else. Nothing else makes any... I don't want to build another building. I don't want to get on another... I certainly don't want to get on another airplane. And I sure enough don't want to drive cross country. Believe me, I've done all that. I care about that sacred thing that God wants to do with the people. How do you think? Why do you think it took all that time in the upper room <laughs> for the Holy Spirit to be poured out? They were in that upper room getting right with one another. It took them a long time to get right with one another. Get the junk out, get this. I'm sorry I did that. I, you know, I confess, you know, here it goes. But it finally got to the point. Why do you think he had to get Judas out of the room? Because the love wasn't in the room. Couldn't do what he wanted to do. You find over and over and over again through Scripture, when Jesus went into a house to heal somebody, he had to clear the room. One place he had to take them out of town. He could in his own hometown there do no mighty works. Why? All the hidden agendas, all the motives. See, just so much stuff. But when God finally gets a group of people, they got the right things on their mind. It is, you know, when we were with the prophet the other day, one of the things that he said, I won't talk much about it. There are some things that are a little too holy for the moment I won't talk about. But one of the things that he said, he said, there, he said, the greatest days are ahead. Best is yet to come. And he said, there's going to be notable healings in the house. I know to do that and to see that there has to be a house 
where it can happen. It's not just the, the preacher. Because you've got a whole bunch of people watching the preacher saying, what is he going to do? How is he going to perform? Doubters and skeptics. Got another agenda. Been talking to the wrong group. Been talking to the, to the, to the other priests. You get what I'm saying? I'm talking about what it takes to have this thing the way God wants it. Amen. And so the love test is the test if you're going to become a friend of God. You've got to be a friend with one another, a covenant friend, to be a covenant friend with God. Now, I don't know if you want that, but I want that more than I want breath. That is more important to me than any possession, anything, any other relationship, any accolade, any trophy, any prize, any money. The number one thing that matters to me is to be that man of God that he can trust and do his will through. Now, if that doesn't matter to you, you're probably in the wrong house. I'm not inviting you to leave. I'm just inviting you to change. Because I think it's the most sacred thing that we have anything to do with. Anything to do with. This is not popularity. It's sacred relating. And if you find people you can relate to and with, you are of all men or women most blessed. Because it is one thing the world will never give you. All that strife, all that tension, all that turmoil. I don't want it. I don't need it. I want a group that love God, period. One of the greatest things that can be said about any person is their friend. Sometimes these words are used far, far, far and away too casually. To be a friend of God is a special invitation by God to come into his place of intimacy, to come into his place of conversation at another level. God doesn't reveal himself to everybody. He reveals himself to whom he chooses to reveal himself. We get revelation, of course, through the word, but we also get revelation through that spirit of wisdom and revelation that he gives to us. The reason that's that's so important is because God gives us concepts of becoming a friend of God, but in that particular relationship, God brings others into our life that he wants us to be friends of as well. The body of Christ is a part of this whole communion thing that we partake of and participate in in church. We have a communion with God for sure, but we also have a communion with one another. That's why betrayal is such an ugly thing because it betrays the confidence, the confidentiality. It betrays the trust that God offers us, but it also betrays the trust of others when God brings us into relationship. So there's a very cautionary tale here that we have to watch and be diligent to pursue friendship, not only with God, but friendship with those who are friends of God. In this case, 
the body of Christ. If you've never met Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you need to do that today. Pray a simple prayer with me. Say, Jesus, do it. Say, I take you as my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to you to serve you today and forever. Sin, Satan, I don't serve you. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Now, if you prayed that prayer, know you meant it. Wouldn't pray a prayer like that and not mean it. We love you. Enjoyed being with you. Look forward to our next time together. God bless.